0: Turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 1, if you don't mind. If you do mind, I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to announce this or approach this, but I'm going to try to do some kind of a series on Psalms over the next little while. I'm not going to try to do all, how many of you know how many Psalms there are? 150. I'm not going to try to do all 150. Uh, not going to try, anyway, I'm just going to sort of be led through this thing. But I think there's tremendous wealth in the Psalms for us, uh, to learn from and to, to, to gain not just information, but Gain formation in our lives. Today we begin with Psalm 1 and I've entitled it as you see life according to God's design. These are six short verses uh, that give us life according to God's prescribed way. You'll hear that several times, God's prescribed way or God's design today because that's what we're after. Walter Bruggeman in his book, The Message of the Psalms, Said the primary agenda, Psalm one teaches us that the primary agenda for Israel's worship life is obedience and to order and conduct all of, everybody say all. all, all of life in accordance with God's purpose and ordering of creation. So I don't know that David, I should have researched it, but I don't know that David wrote the Psalms in this order, but it's certainly interesting that Psalm one begins with the ordering of our lives, God's design, God's direction. And then we see in these verses, especially the first few verses, we see the contrast between the righteous and the wicked, between those who adhere to God's purpose and those who ignore his order. Now, lest it begins to sound like it today, this is not a beat-you-up message and try to straighten you out. This is this is God's design, God's order that we are prescribing to His way. Psalm 1, verse 1, if you would stand while we read the Scriptures. I'm reading again from the English Standard Version. I'm just going to read the first six verses. Butter like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You can be seated. Lord Jesus, we pray today that you would add your emphasis, your anointing onto the reading of your word, and then the expounding of your word that you would speak to each one of us by the voice of your Holy Spirit today. And we pray in your name. Blessed is the man. First thing we have to deal with is the Hebrew word that David uses here is the word ish. There's one Hebrew word I can pronounce, ish. And it's representative of an example of a godly person or a specific individual. Uh, I don't think that he thinks, I don't think David was thinking of a particular person. But I think he was saying, if you just identify, blessed is this guy right here, if he does this and if he doesn't do that. And the point of all that is, is this translate to the rest of us. This is not, the Hebrew word he uses is not the Hebrew word for just male. It's not, it's, it's, a, it's gender nonspecific. So anyway, ladies, this is you too, don't go to sleep on me. Well, if you do, I'll just assume you need the rest. But blessed... Is the man, we, you know, blessed or blessed. We all want to be blessed. We all want to live in blessing. And it's interesting. I would never, if somebody said, I want you to write a psalm, I probably wouldn't start it the way David did because he started it on the negative. He said, blessed for, he said, we're blessed for what we do not follow. Blessed for what we do not follow. The Spirit-Filled Life Bible has in its notes, it says, The influence one allows others to have determines, to a large extent, one's spiritual destiny. Um, Somewhere I read where it said it's kind of tough for us to soar like eagles when we hang out with turkeys. (laughs) It's important who you're listening to. It's important who is determining your path. It's important that you understand that there are voices, some good and some bad. Now, let me just hasten to add here, nothing in this psalm says that we should run off into a corner and hibernate away from the world because they're wicked. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And you've heard me say, I quote Jim Newsom when I say, it doesn't say Jesus was friendly to the sinners. It said he was a friend of the sinners. But I guarantee you they never determined his path. They never determined his direction. Somebody, somebody has pointed out that in the next few verses we'll see a threefold progression or digression. Walks, stands, sits. I'll just bring this up briefly because there's, it could be, I don't know if David had this in mind, but there is a progression here, and that is that you walk in a certain path or a certain way or under certain influence, you walk, and then you find yourself standing. You're walking on the wrong path, remember, and then you're standing. Why are you standing? Because you're taking it in. Then the next thing he says is that we're, we sit, so walk, stand, stand. Sit, And I'll deal with that in a moment. But there is a little bit of a progression here that we need to be. And my point is that we uh, progressively and incrementally go in the wrong direction. If we go too far, we find ourselves sitting. I, I'll, I'll come back to that. He says, blessed is that man who does not walk in the council. And I'm going to come back to, to the other part. Does not walk in the council. Walk, obviously, is a word for live to to operate as a Christian. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel, who who follows the advice. Counsel is just simply the advice. Who does not follow the advice of the morally wrong or corrupt. Who are the morally wrong and corrupt? Those who have lost their way, attempting to bring us along in their waywardness. Now you can't go around with your uh uh a waywardness thermometer, you know. You can't go around with your with your uh device that you're going to test everybody. Are you wicked or are you not? <laughs> they have to determine that. But if you see someone or if you know someone whose life through their words and their actions, as life is obviously wayward or going a different direction, then you know. You don't, you know, you don't say, hey, I can't stay with you because you're wicked. Well, that might not work too well. You, you're talking about physical distancing. You try that. You, 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 you get some physical distancing. I want to point out that counsel can be a good thing. As a matter of fact, counsel is a good thing. If you're getting it from a good source. Consider the source. And, you know, the Bible is full of our getting counsel. It says, there's safety. Proverb says there's safety. In a multitude of counselors. But David here is warning against a person, us or anybody else. Adopting the counsel or the advice of the wicked. Or the ungodly. The, The word there really just means wrong. It's just a simple word It means wrong. It means a person who is hostile to God. Now... You can you can quickly find out if a person is hostile to God, or you you should be able to. If they're hostile to God, you'll you'll know it. You you read the news, you get around people, you'll say, "When that person there, they're hostile to God." Don't 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 take the counsel. These are people who conduct their lives lives as if God does not exist, and with disregard, with no regard to Him. That's wicked people. Again, this is not wag your finger at somebody. This is to say to us, if we're going to operate with counsel, we, meet, we need to make sure this is not the counsel we're taking. W.E. Vines, if you're not familiar, W.E. Vines is a Greek-English dictionary that's been around forever. I think I've got a copy I've had for over 40 years. Uh, but he he says that the word that David uses here is a word that means restlessness or disjointed. Think about it, saints. Restlessness or disjointed. Isaiah says, There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. There's no shalom. There's no completeness. There's no wellness for those who are hostile to God. There's no wellness. There's no peace. There's no rest. Do you know people? You know people. We all know people who have, who have abandoned if they ever had any, uh, inkling to go after God and to follow God. We know people whose lives are restless, whose, whose world is disjointed. And one of the ways you can tell that is because they begin to chase everything and anything for satisfaction. And of course they find out that There 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 is none to be found. There's confusion in which the, the wicked live. The ungodly, maybe that's a better word. There's confusion for those who are ungodly. You could just say or not godly or not after God. And David is just saying to us, we don't need to follow that counsel. Blessed is the guy who does not, and also blessed is the man who does not stand in the path of sinners. It's, just, it's almost, it's very similar, but again, walk, stand. Blessed is the man who does not take part in their actions. I remember when I was in high school, uh, I was, you know, I guess I was probably, I'd have to go back. I honestly can't remember if I was 16 or 17 when I finally committed my life to the Lord. I grew up in the church, and I I don't know what I would have called myself. Um, As long as they called me in time for dinner, I was happy. But I remember people in my class were, oh, Lord, help me. They'd come to school, and they'd be all on fire for Jesus until they got around somebody. And they said, hey, man, let's go do this. And it wasn't always good. And they would go do it. And I found this little way, and you can just laugh at me, and you can call me religious, whatever you want to do. I found this way to keep me from doing that. You say, well, I thought you would have been strong. Well, here's how I was strong. When I was 17 years old, my parents bought me a little blue Schofield Bible. For those of you who know what that is, don't hold it against me. C.I. Schofield. And... I would, every day, I had that Bible in my hand. All day, in every class that I went to, I had my Bible. You say, well, you're just being religious. No, I knew me. Because that stuff wasn't going to penetrate, and I don't mean the book. As long as I'm holding that Bible, I am not going to uh, shame God by violating What he wants for my life while holding his word. I wasn't going to do it. I'm not saying you like to walk around all the time with the Bible. You're probably stronger than me. But I watched other people make bad decisions and poor decisions. And peer pressure. friend of mine walked up to me one day. He had a handful of marijuana out in the parking lot in front of a convenience store. It was the first time and the last time that I ever saw any Marijuana. He Amen. Hey, I got this right here, man. We can go over to my daddy's. There ain't nobody home. Hey, Amen. I said, hey, Amen. No. <laughs> I did some stuff that I'm ashamed of, but smoking pot wasn't one of them, or any other illegal drug. Do not settle in their path. Would you? If you stand in the way of a sinner, then you settled in their path. Come on. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm coming across as condemning, and I'm not, I don't want to do that. What I want us to do is guard against not the people, but the, but the, the uh, philosophy and direction of the people. David's not saying condemn people. He's just saying, don't follow that. You're, you're wired differently. Don't follow that. Proverbs says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And especially as a young person, we know what that looks like. All of us for that matter. Then he says, do not, uh, blessed is man that does not sit in the seat of the scoffers. Now we have found a resting place. The scoffers are those who have contempt or are scornful. It's a real easy uh, deduction here. And that is that we would not be scornful and we would not have contempt. To sit in the seat of the scoffer is to take up residence. You know, sometimes it's easy to be a scoffer. It's easy to be scornful. And I'm talking about of God. It's easy to have contempt there's an episode of the Andy Griffith Show where Ben Weaver comes in and Barney's written him a ticket. And he and he had ripped it up. And Andy said, Ben, I'm going to have Barney write you another ticket. Either that, or i got to charge you with contempt. And he said, well, give it to me. I'll rip it up too. I do have contempt for this. And some people have contempt for God and God's way. Don't. Don't wag your finger at the people. Just don't sit in that place. Jeremiah said, I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. By the way, let me say this. None of this can happen except you have, Lord Jesus. None of this can happen except you have been born again by the Spirit of God, transformed, translated, transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, empowered by his Holy Spirit, you can't do that. If you just see this as a bunch of rules to follow, you're going to to be really frustrated. But if you let God empower you, we'll come back to that. The wicked, the sinners, the scoffers, these are all those who refuse God's design for living. All those who refuse God's design for living. This man that he's describing does not follow the moral orientation or disorientation of these. Again, I don't think he's talking about anybody in particular. I just think he's talking about a lifestyle. What lifestyle have you chosen? As as we've often said, the greatest gift God gives us is the ability to choose. I know salvation is a great gift, but the ability to choose is so valuable that we can't abuse it. Oh, i got a cartoon I want us to see. It's not funny, but it's, well, it kind of is. If you can't read it, it's, it says at the top, I hate being confined by this fence. The fence says God's commands. I think you all probably see that. I'm jumping over it. And his friend says, wait, it's not a fence. It's a guardrail. The verse at the bottom says, whoever keeps commandments keeps their life. Whoever shows contempt for their ways will die. Do you believe God is smart? I've heard Brother Charles say more than once that we all love Jesus, but we don't really think he's all that smart. And the reason we don't think he's that smart is because we don't do what he says. Oh, I got quiet. God is smart. And it, it's not, God wasn't sitting around one day and decide, hey, I'm going to make it rough on these folks. Let's make them miserable. Let's put all these rules and stuff on them so they can never be happy again the rest of their lives. God never did that. God made you. (laughs) I started to ask how many of you believe God made you, but I'm afraid somebody wouldn't raise their hands. I'm going to leave that alone. God made you. Who else knows what makes you tick but God? Who knows better than God how you function and what's the best for you but your maker? So, yeah, God's commands. I'm tired of God's commands. I'm going to jump over the fence. It's a guardrail. Because once you get outside of God's prescribed way of living, you find difficult. You may even find a cliff. That's what David is saying here. He's trying to warn us against that. The question we have to ask is what are you loading into your three-pound computer? Garbage in? Garbage out, that's a computer term. You put garbage in, you get garbage out. What are you loading into that computer? Who is it that has your ear? Who is it you're listening to? And the real question is, are you influencing or are you being influenced? That's the real question. The second thing he says is, "Blessed we're blessed by the placement of our pleasure." Lord, I got to pick it up. We're we're blessed by where we, where we place our pleasure. In other words, he says, "Delight, delight in God's hand of direction." To delight is to be bent or to incline towards something, and I purposely put capital S or someone. If we are delighting in God, we are inclined towards God. We are bending our life towards him. It's like the flower attracted to the sun. It leans towards the sun because it wants to get some more. Well, our son is spelled S-O-N. The Septuagint here, the word they... The Septuagint is when they took the Old Testament and translated it in, through, into Greek. Anyway, the word they have says what? means what one determines shall be done. In other words, what we choose, what direction we choose. He says, I delight in the law. Now, once again, let me just get it. We're not talking about laws, rules, regulations. We're not talking about following a bunch of rules. You've heard me teach a series on the Ten Commandments. If you hadn't, they're out there on the shelf. God's finding God's heart in the Decalogue. We're, not talk, we're, talking, about, we're talking about God's statutes. We're talking about God's prescribed way. The word law is a word that means Torah, which is simply direction or instruction. I delight in God's direction and instruction. Proverbs 1 says, hear my son your father's instruction. Now the word there means chastisement or reproof or restraint. But then it goes on to say, and do not forsake your mother's teaching, which is Torah. An aside, father's. You be the one offering reproof, restraint, and chastisement. Let mama teach. You, did y'all go to sleep? You be the heavy. Don't put that on your wife. Don't put that on their mother. You be the heavy. A pastor told me that one time, and boy, my sons, they sure wish he never said it. Adam stood up when I said that. He said, do not forsake your mother's teaching, your Torah. They were transferring the knowledge of God to the next generation. That's Torah. That's God's instruction. The root there is a word called Yara. The Y in Hebrew means hand. It points to the hand. And so Torah is more than just law. It's more than just rules. And and it's more than just the Mosaic covenant. And it's more than just the Ten Commandments. As I said, it derives from the word Yara, or Yara, I'm not sure, meaning to shoot out the hand as pointing. So the Torah points. The Torah, like using the hand, the Torah points. Go that way. Don't go that way. Go that way. And if we go that way, and it's God's prescribed way, we'll be blessed. If we go that way, we'll be confused. Psalm 119 says, I will delight in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. I will delight in your statutes, and I will meditate on them. I will meditate day and night. It's interesting that some de- define the word meditate here to ponder by talking to himself. Now, some of you said, I've been meditating a lot lately. Meditating a lot, I'm talking to myself a lot. There was actually, anyway, I don't want to get into that. Ponder something. You can talk to yourself or not, but meditate is to ponder something while avoiding and abandoning all the outside distractions. Just think about it. There's, there's a, I'm not going to get too descriptive here, but there's a descriptive term wherein we take something in. The psalmist said, I, I have hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. And once we have hidden it, there is a time when we withdraw that back out and, and meditate on it. It's kind of hard to draw it out if you hadn't hidden it in. Everybody, are y'all awake? Okay, everybody at home awake? They didn't say anything. He said, I meditate day and night. God told Joshua, this book of the law or my word shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. I'll come back to this, but we're not talking about a prosperity gospel there. Jeremiah said, your words were found and I ate them. Another place he said, they were sweeter than honey. Honey. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Watch this. Your words. Not just the words. Not just some words. You remember when we talked on the Decalogue, on the Ten Commandments, we pointed out that you cannot separate the word of God from the God of the Word. You cannot separate God from his word. I'll come back to that. He said, if well, you keep coming back to everything, we'll be here to Tuesday. He said, I am called by your name. Here's the point I'm trying to make, saints. It's about him. It's not about the laws. It's not about the rules. It's not about anything except him. We were watching a documentary last night. Anyway, it was mostly good but they pointed out accurately that Jesus is the center of this book. Now, not every page and not every word that we see directly reflects Jesus, but this book, the the center of this book, the content of this book is Jesus himself. And if we forget that, we get into religion and rules and legalism. And David is saying, you delight, I delight in you. My God. He says we're blessed by where we're planted. Instead of standing and sitting in the seat of the scornful and the sinners, we are planted by the living water. How do we determine our proximity to the living water? But first of all, I want to point out the word living. Living. You know what's living? Better yet, do you know who's living? Our Lord Jesus. Jesus. The Lord God. How do we determine our proximity to the living water? By delighting and meditating on God's Word. Which is the same, this is, this is the pivot point of this Psalm, so miss, don't, don't miss this. Which is the same as delighting and meditating on God. Meditating on God's Word is the same as meditating on God. Delighting in God's word is the same as delighting in God. Do not disconnect God from his word. Y'all are going to say, he says that over and over again. Yep, because I want us to get it. Jeremiah said, he's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. And does not fear when heat comes for it leaves, its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Roots to the stream. Where are your roots going? What are your roots drawing from? What stream? Again, I'm not, this is not a wagon of the finger. This is just inventory. And I'm trusting that everybody under the sound of my voice, everybody watching me on, on the Facebook and YouTube, I trust every one of us have our roots in the living water. But there's a psalm there for a reason. And we have to take a look at it. He said that person is fruitful in its time. He's fruitful in its time when God's ready. A tree bears fruit for the benefit of others, by the way. I never have seen an apple tree reach around and grab an apple and start eating it. This doesn't happen. A tree bears fruit for the benefit of others, and he said, "Its leaves do not wither. Its leaves do not wither." There comes a time in the winter time when the the um, oh boy, the word escapes me, but anyway, the the life source begins to withdraw from the leaves as they prepare for winter. There's actually something that takes place where they close off the ends. Uh, of the leaf, and so that the tree is protected through the winter. But what happens is the leaf begins to die because the life source has been disconnected. And when that leaf begins to die is when everybody comes to, to uh, uh, Tennessee and Gatlinburg because they want to see the leaves that are orange and red. And that's what's happening. It's beautiful because we like the orange and red leaves, but actually what's happening is they've been cut off from their life source. And he's saying, blessed is the man who delights in God, delights in his word. Blessed is the man who makes sure he's planted by the river because he'll never have orange and red leaves. His leaves will never wither. says he prospers. It's just a word that means to advance. It's just a word that means to go over. It's just a word that means, in the New Testament, it's a word that means to have a successful journey, to be successful. Not just, well, anyway, I'll leave that alone. Psalm 128, 2 said, You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, and you shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. In other words, you shall eat that which you have put your hands to. You've been successful in what you're doing, and now you will be able to eat the fruit of your labor. That's what prosperity is. And then he finishes up the psalm by saying, Not so with the wicked. I don't understand i wouldn't have I wouldn't have written it this way, but I, you might have noticed God never asked me to write part of the Bible he's never mentioned it he's never brought it up, and so I've never have written any of the Bible I wouldn't have done it this way, but David said not so with the wicked they're not advancing because they're stuck in one place, and they're kind of like chaff. The, the particles are the, the substance that's been removed, driven by the wind. He said, the wicked will not stand. There's no sinners in the congregation of the righteous. I'm going to just say this and scare some of you. <laughs> Let me read those verses again. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Some people, not anybody in this room, some people need to put their charts aside. And if, if you're a former fundamentalist, pre-millennialist, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all that stuff. If you're one of those, you know what I'm talking about. You can put a chart all the way across the front. Anyway, some people need to put their charts aside and pay attention to what happens to the righteous and what happens to the wicked because it's not the way we've been taught, not what the book says. That's that's the only eschatology you're gonna get out of me," <laughs> he said. "The wicked are not gonna be there. Wicked are not gonna be there. Wicked are not gonna be standing. Wicked are not gonna be involved in that. Where are the wicked? They're just not there. Okay. Now that I've scared you sufficiently, we will we will close. Paul sums this up in the New Testament for us. When he writes to his spiritual son, Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, Retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in the faith and love, watch this, which are in Christ Jesus. Again, it's a person. It's not just a rule. It's not just a a law. It's a person. Which are in, everybody say that, in Now repeat this after me. Which are in Christ Jesus. It's about a person. I'll read it again. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love. Which are in Christ Jesus. Where do we find the sound words? Where do we find these? In Christ Jesus. Himself. Sure, driving that home. I hope. And then he says in the very next verse. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Here's the key. That's the key. Guard through the Holy Spirit who, not what, who, God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son, who dwells in us. If you have been born again by the Spirit of God and you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, you have God's Holy Spirit dwelling in you. So guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Blessed be the man who doesn't follow the prescription of life that will lead to confusion and restlessness and disjointedness. But blessed is the man who delights in God's words and meditates on them day and night and who makes sure that he is in the proximity of the living water. Therein we will find life. We will find prosperity in the biblical sense. We will find peace. We will find hope. And only there. You okay with that? Stand with me.